the general of the Union Army, uh, apparently when he was facing an on, uh, approaching army, said to all of his troops, don't worry men, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. That was his last words. Got shot halfway through the word distance. Uh, slightly awkward. Winston Churchill apparently said, I'm not sure this is true, but it says so on the internet, so it must be. Uh, Winston Churchill said, I'm bored with it all, and then died. W.C. Fields, who was an author, um, was asked why he was reading the Bible uh, as he was about to die. And he said, his last words were, I'm trying to find a loophole. Um, So that's one option. A slightly holier option was Brother Lawrence of Rome, who was martyred for his faith, burned at the stake. uh, And as he was burning in the fire, shouted, turn me over, I'm done on this side. It's pretty good, pretty good, pretty holy. Um, Pench Villa, I don't know who that is, is a Mexican revolutionary, sorry if they're not a very nice person. Um, However, I think it probably sums up what I will likely say, because he apparently said, don't let it end like this, tell them I said something really important. (laughs) Quite like that. That's probably what I'll end up doing. So there we go. Uh, I'm going to pray. There's a reason I got you to do that. I'm going to pray, which I didn't do a minute ago, and then we're going to look at our reading for this evening. So let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us. Uh, And Lord, as we come before your word this evening, we pray that you would dwell deeply within it, that you would speak to us through it, and that we would know and hear your voice. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the reading we've got for this evening, uh, interestingly, is Jesus' last words. John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. I haven't actually got it in front of me, so I'll read it After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, to fulfil the scriptures, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Jesus' last words uh, on earth uh, before he was crucified or before he died on the cross. Uh, Officially one word in the Greek. Uh, uh, My reading of it is tetelestai, but as none of you are ancient Greeks, you can't tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, But we'll go with tetelestai. Looks good, doesn't it? Officially it's one word. It means just literally finished. Why, Adam, at the beginning of term... Have you chosen to think about the words, it is finished, for the first talk that you're going to be given? Now, let me be really clear. I'm not entirely convinced that I did. It's been a very busy start to the term, very busy, busier than usual couple of uh, weeks. Uh, and I came to this a bit later than I'd like to. And uh, on Saturday morning, yesterday morning, gosh, I was mean yesterday. Saturday morning, I said to Rosie, in fact, uh, who sat there, uh, I'm preaching tomorrow evening. So far, all I've got are the words, it is finished, which is ironic because it very much is not finished. Uh, and at one point, I was going to sit down at this point and, uh, and give up. Uh, maybe some of you will be hoping in about five minutes that I did. Uh, but there we go. Why then does Jesus, or why do I think that Jesus wants us to think about these last words? Because, as I say, for many of us, we are just starting. All of us, this is a new term uh, in the academic calendar, at least. Some of us might be going into new roles or new jobs, starting a new stage of life, new courses, new modules at university. Well, let me explain. 
Whilst these words are true, it is finished, God has not finished working. That isn't what Jesus means when he says it is finished here. God is very much at work. And this weekend has been a fantastic weekend for this uh, church, for my, for my ministry to be able to see lots of different things uh, to be a, that God is at work in. Yesterday, the reason why I saw Rosie, we were gathered uh, with uh, 14, 15 others um, as we began to pray for uh, a new cafe that will be opening here every other Saturday uh, in a couple of weeks' time called the Hope Cafe, offering prayer for healing and wholeness. Um, and that has come from God prompting, I counted, nine individual people separately and telling them that he wanted us to do this ministry. Nine different people he's been working in the lives of, nine different people he said, I want you to do this. Nine people, different people have responded to that. And we are uh, starting that ministry. God is moving. God has not finished with the people of this city, with the people of this community. On Friday evening, we had 70 teenagers. Some of them were down here worshipping with us a few minutes ago, gathered in a church, uh, gathered from churches across the city, worshipping together, seeing God moving amongst them. God has not finished with the young people in our city. On Friday afternoon, some of you were here. We had 50 or so international students here in partnership with Friends International. God has not finished with our university. I've heard in the last week stories of people being healed, miraculously healed from illness and disease. People healed of addiction. One person miraculously healed of an addiction. God is not finished. God is on the move. I said this to those of you who are here at the end of last term. Emma Stark, who's a prophetic leader in Glasgow, um, spoke to a number of church leaders back in February. And she said that when prophets gather, they don't always agree. But when they do agree, you really ought to listen to what they're saying. And at the moment, the prophets that she's in connection with, which is prophets all over the world, are on what agreed on one thing, that we are in a new season of life, a new season of life, that God is on the move, that he is not finished with his people. And I believe, and others uh, who pray over this city believe that Portsmouth is vital for that. You are here to do his vital work. Uh, what happens in the spiritual world often mirrors what happens in the physical world. Portsmouth is vital and strategic for the strategic battles that go on in this country. I think it's also strategic in God's God's battles. It is perhaps a gateway. Now I say all of that, and I wonder how it makes you feel uh, this evening. I suspect there's one of uh, three responses that you have. The first response might be, yes, bring it on. Come on, let's get on with it. Come on, Lord, let's do it. I'm here, come on, that's brilliant. And if that's you, brilliant, fantastic, pray. Pray firstly that this next section is a bit shorter. Uh, And secondly, uh, pray that the Lord Jesus would indeed move in his spirit and come and be be amongst us and move amongst us really powerfully. One or two people here might completely disagree with me. They might, uh, you might just be sat there and thinking to yourself, well, what Jesus did in the New Testament was by virtue of his divinity, of who he was, And it's not a model that we can copy. It's not something that we should uh, expect to see. We should lower our expectations of what God uh, can do. If that's you, can I really encourage you to spend some time this week properly researching John 14, verse 12. Over the summer, I did a master's dissertation for my... uh, Pentecostal and Charismatic Master's degree. It is finished and handed in. Woohoo! 
Sorry, thank you. Uh, I'm very proud of myself for having actually finished an essay. Uh, not the best of students. Um, I spent quite a bit of the time when I was researching that, looking at this verse. I know I said this again just before uh, the summer. Often over the years, let's just read this very quickly. This is Jesus speaking. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. Now, over the years, Christians have tried to dumb down, theologians have tried to dumb down the meaning of these words and said, oh, well, greater things, what he actually means there, Jesus. What great Jesus is saying is there's more of us, so therefore there will be more. Greater meaning more, not greater as in bigger or, or, or more extravagant or more different. More different, that's really good. You know what I mean. Read the Greek, read the lesson. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is absolutely clear in this passage that it is greater things that he is expecting of his people. Spend some time doing that. Now, I have again said before, you might struggle with that, and it's hard for us to get our heads around, right? It's really hard for us to get our heads around. And so at the point when we're doing the things that Jesus did, because we're all agreed at least that we should be doing that by the implication of that verse, when we're raising the dead, when we're healing the sick, when we're casting out demons, when we're seeing what Jesus did, we'll reconvene and we'll debate whether or not greater means more of them or even more uh, weird or wonderful, amazing things uh, are there. Spend some time. So if that's you, if you disagree with me, spend some time doing that this week, please. But let's just assume for a minute that you don't disagree with me, uh, that with principle, you're, you're... you're happy with the concept, but you're also perhaps not quite at the, yes, come on, Lord, I'm ready, come on, let's go on, crack on, come on, do it, come on, do it. Why that much? What about this third group of people who might be represented by one or two people in the room? Maybe you're happy to accept that God moves today, uh, but it's far more theoretical uh, for you. Maybe you accept that God speaks to people today, um, but that he probably never has or will speak to you, or if he does, very rarely. Maybe you think uh, God can use other people to heal other people, but he'd never uh, use you. Maybe you're pleased when people say that he uh, sends his presence, but it's never really been uh, present to you. Maybe you're not somebody who feels things the same way as other people do. I'm terribly sorry. Could you find a way of stopping that turning itself off? Thanks. Um, maybe that's you. And I hear these things quite a lot. People come to me and say these sorts of things quite a lot. Uh, and they say, I just, I just don't think God is going to use me in any way. And I usually ask them why they feel like that. And normally they say, well, you don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the things that are going on in my past or you don't know what the thoughts are in my head there's no way that God could interrupt those because of the pattern of thoughts that I have going on in my head or perhaps I just don't think I read my bible enough I don't give him enough time there's just no chance whatsoever that he'll be able to use me or perhaps even quite regularly um, he can't use me because I'm so addicted to x y or z whatever it is Now, if you feel yourself connecting to any of those things I just said in that third group of things, the first thing that Jesus says in these words is, it is finished. Thank you. It is finished. The words Jesus chose on that cross are deliberate. It is once and for all, its results are abiding forevermore. At that cross... Jesus has done everything to ensure that your sins, that my sins, past, 
present and future, can be forgiven. It is finished means mission accomplished. And it's that same mission which uh, includes empowering us to be and do the things that God wants us to be and to do. Because it's in these words, in these words, it's not just about what has finished, it's also about what has begun. God speaks over all of those lies, all of those wrong thoughts, over everything that we think that stops us, that diminishes us from moving in his power and knowing his power. He speaks over those with with these words. It is finished. Put really simply, God believes in you more than you believe in him. God believes in you more than you believe in him. But what about those seasons in life when all of this feels real? Yeah, it's fine, Adam, okay, I get that, that's fine, it's all okay. But not quite real enough. Maybe a little bit distance there, but perhaps a bit distant. The second verse that the Lord gave me for this evening, which I think is really important for us to remember, is this verse from Philippians 1. Paul says this, He who has begun a good work in you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's such an important prayer over each and every one of us. Some of us here may be really excited about what God is doing and what the year ahead holds for us and all that God is going to do. Some of us might have been really excited a week ago or two days ago, but perhaps are feeling a bit tired now or perhaps are feeling a bit discouraged in some way, a bit less, come on, Lord. Some of us perhaps haven't felt that way for a little while, but know that maybe in a few days or a few weeks we might, we can see ourselves feeling like that. Over all of this, Paul says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I wonder if any of you have managed to read this book, uh, Live No Lies by uh, John Mark Comer. Uh, it's an excellent book. I can highly recommend it to you. I can highly recommend John Mark Homer to you. He's a good man. He's not better than Jesus, uh, but he is a really good uh, man. He also wrote uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, another great book. John quotes in this book St. Augustine. Uh, he was one of the early church fathers around in about 450 AD, around then. Um, and the three paradigms, the three things that get in the way of our relationship with the Lord, that stop us from feeling on fire and ready and stop us feeling his power. They are sin, the world and the devil. You might have heard that phrase before, sin, the world and the devil. It transposes into the Book of Common Prayer and into common worship worship services that Church of England churches use up and down the country. Sin, the world and the devil. Sin is really easy to understand, isn't it? We know what, we know what sin is. We know the effect that it has on us. It's the stuff that we do that puts our, uh, that where we put our desires, whatever they may be, above God when we turn away from him and we do what we feel good. I wonder if you've heard the phrase, the heart wants what it wants. Maybe you've used that phrase before, the heart wants uh, what it wants. I have uh, once uh, or twice before until I read uh, this book. Those words actually were spoken by Woody Allen. I don't know if you know Woody Allen. He's an American film director. He was a writer, an actor and a comedian in a TV interview. And he used them to justify an affair that he was having with his adopted daughter. The heart wants what it wants, he said. At that point, he was married and 56, and his adopted daughter was 21, Chinese adopted daughter. The heart wants what it wants, but it will turn us 
away from God, it will disturb our peace if we give in to the temptations of, uh, of the flesh. But over all of this, Jesus says, again, it is finished. We don't have to accept it anymore. That's sin. This is the world. Now, this is an actual question. I'm going to ask you to think about this for a minute and then give me an answer. I wonder if you can work out what the writer of these words was talking about. Does that make sense? So there's some words I'm going to read to you in a minute. Can you think about what it was that they were were describing? These people are self-absorbed. They're desperate for money. They're desperate for fame. They're stuck up. They disrespect their parents. They swear. They're competitive and they lie. Any suggestions as to what the writer of those words was writing there? There's no wrong answers. Go on. Teenagers. Great. What are you going to say? Teenagers. 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 Love Island, maybe somebody suggested to me when I made this suggestion earlier. I haven't watched Love Island, so I'm sorry. Um, Other things? They're actually written by Paul in 2 Timothy. It's a a paraphrase, admittedly, but 2 Timothy 3. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and holy. It goes on, it goes, it goes on. You would be forgiven for thinking it was today, wouldn't you? You would be thinking, forgiven for thinking that he was describing the culture that we see around us in the world. And it's easy for us to be distracted, to be caught up in the world around us. But again, the world can and will disrupt our peace, disrupt our relationship with God. Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. He also says, when praying to the Father, we are not to be of the world. In it, yes, but not of it. Over the world, Jesus declares again, it is finished. And the devil. We've thought about sin, we've thought about the world, what about the devil? Maybe there's one or two people here that still think that maybe the devil is a bit of a character like the tooth fairy, not really relevant for today's world. But read the New Testament. The early church continued to be tempted, to be distracted, to almost be derailed by the work of the devil. And in a couple of weeks' time, on Sunday evenings, we'll be thinking through some materials called Living Free. Living Free is usually a course, but we're going to teach it here. Uh, and as part of that, we'll think about our identity as followers of Christ, how we hear God speak to us, our authority as believers. Uh, But we'll start in two weeks' time with this fact that we live in two realms at the same time, the physical and the spiritual. Now on the cross, Jesus declared, it is finished, and the end is certain. But much like the difference between D-Day and V-Day, there are still battles that go on, battles that affect us, battles which disturb our peace, that disturb our relationship with God. So... It is finished. I actually have a little gift for you this evening. Don't get too excited. It's not that exciting. It's not as exciting. Well, it is more exciting than pizza because it's, it's God's words. Um, so it's more exciting than pizza. Um, you might want to search through for a well-cooked one um, because my um, design skills are not great. It's almost as good. I did this half an hour before leaving the house. Um, okay, there's plenty of them, so don't worry. They'll just go around. That's all right. Does anyone not have one? I think Michael might not have one at the back got two things on it and I'd love for you to take this with you and to put it somewhere that is um, helpful or not helpful, uh, somewhere that is uh, obvious but not obvious, maybe on a mirror, maybe on the way out of the door. And I very purposefully not put it is finished but I've put uh, 
the word that we'll all know how to say by the end of the evening. Tetelestai. Tetelestai. Um, it can the reason I've done that is because this is not a this is not a holy trick. This is a psychological trick. If it said it is finished, after about three times of reading it, you'd forget what that was about. But in fact, because it's in a different language to the one that I suspect most of you speak. Sorry if any of you are fluent ancient Greek speakers. In which case, do correct me in my pronunciation later. It will make you think, "What was that about again?" Oh yeah, it is finished. I remember. And then the verse of Philippians one three. Uh, sorry, one six uh, there. I'd love for you to put that somewhere. Remembering that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. As we start this new term together, we have a bit of a choice. A choice uh, to believe Jesus when he declared that it is finished or a choice to think that it isn't. We have a choice to reject the temptations of sin, the world and the devil or to give in to them and live without peace. And that won't always be easy. Often it will be a daily choice, sometimes an hourly choice, sometimes a minute-by-minute choice. I've had a week with some brilliant highlights in it, uh, but it's also been quite a hard week. Uh, it's, uh, I'm having a couple of those at the moment. Uh, now, one student last year was genuinely surprised uh, when uh, Devita and I told them that I worked more than one day a week as a vicar. I promise you I do work more than one day a, a week, unfortunately. Uh, they were genuinely like, really, what do you do the rest of the week? No idea. Uh, the, last, the last 10 days or so has been pretty hard. And at one point, if I'm honest, I was a bit ready to throw in the towel and to stop being a vicar and to do something that, in my mind, would feel a little bit less trouble-filled. And in that moment of despair, in that moment of difficulty, I cried out to God again, and in his graciousness, he met me in it. And he said, Adam, I never promised that it would be easy. I just promised I would be with you and that it would be worth it. I didn't promise it would be easy. I just promised it would be with, I'd be with you and it would be worth it. Jesus calls us to know that it is finished, that he has begun a good work in us, and it will see it through to completion. Sometimes that will be easier than others. Remember Jesus' parable of the lost pearl. It's a tiny parable in Matthew's Gospel. I think I've got it. There it is. One verse. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine gold pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is that pearl. Sometimes he asks us to give up everything we have. Sometimes he gives us the grace to keep some of it with us. But all of it, every single part of it, is worthless in comparison to the true value of knowing him. He spoke to me again through this parable, as he did once when I uh, applied to be the vicar of this place, and they said no. They actually said, you didn't show enough leadership capability in your application. And so my second letter of application, which no one has ever seen, I still have it, had listed all of the reasons why they were wrong about that, uh, and all of the reasons why they should definitely appoint me, because I have definitely got enough experience to be the vicar of this church. And what it struck as was me believing that St. Jude Southsea was the pearl of great price. And Jesus, in that moment again, met me and said, Adam, St. Jude Southsea is not the pearl of great price. I am the pearl of great price. Whatever it is that he calls us to have or to do, it is nothing in comparison to knowing him. And 
and worshipping and following him. I think I've said enough. I wonder if you will stand with me and I will pray for us and then we will undoubtedly worship again.